Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the N95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. Don't forget, rate, share, like, subscribe, do all the things. And we got a good show for you tonight. We will be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, unfortunately, the World Series about to begin. Now, in addition to the Mets getting bounced in the first round, the New York Yankees season is over. Uh, sweep at the hands of the Houston Astros. Four straight losses there. And then in the National League, there were no good choices here. There were no good choices here. And so, of course, Philadelphia Phillies are making the World Series. And the matchup is the Phillies taking on the Houston Astros. (sighs) So if you're in New York, the Met fans are rooting for the Astros to win simply because we don't want the Phillies to win. And the Yankees are Yankee fans are likely rooting for the Phillies because they can't beat the Astros. So that's the way that one's going to work. I will say this, though. Um, kudos to Bryce Harper. Not a fan of his. Never really been a fan of his. Um, has been considered an overrated player for the duration of of his career, especially the last five or six years, I would say. Um, Never won anything in Washington. Left to take the big contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. The year he leaves is the year the Nationals win the championship. And for the last couple years, as to be expected with the big dollar contract guys, um, the Phillies have underperformed. He's bared the brunt of the blame. And to see what he was able to put together... In the NLCS, getting the game-winning home run in game um, game five, I believe, uh, to, to um, I think it was six, actually, to uh, win this series. All things being equal, you got to give respect where respect is due. And he's always had the talent to be considered one of the elite players in the sport. To see him deliver on that, uh, I will... My hat is off to him. I do not want his team to win. Uh, Noah Syndergaard making the World Series does bother me on a philosophical level, we're being honest. But, um, you know, props to him. You know, anytime someone is finally able to ascend to the position that their potential has always um, made you feel like he can ascend to, to see him finally get there, good for him. Good for him. Hope they lose. Anyway, um, we have football to talk and talk about tonight. We have week. I just need to be reminded here. Week seven of the NFL season is in the books. 
We have week eight to talk about for this coming week. And we will obviously do picks for that. So we do have all that. But I think first, before we get to football, and we'll probably wait until uh, Dave gets here for that, we do have, once he hooks up here, uh, he's connecting, I see a red light, looks like he's here, Eric Tressler is with us tonight, Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good, do we have Dave with us as well, I hope? Uh, I would imagine he's coming in a couple minutes. Um, Have we heard from him? I don't know. I didn't check their group text lately. Have we heard from him? The only thing he had put in was about, he said he was on his way. Where was it? It was like uh, 7.30-ish, I think. Oh, 7.25, he'd be good in 20 minutes, be driving. Might I'll be able to hop on. All and right, so he'll be here soon then. So he'll be here soon. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, let's, get, um, let's get baseball out of the way here while we wait for him. So you the Yankees, don't mean baseball, you my fucking Yankees, which by the way, we're not doing all right anymore. We're doing all right. Oh, up until last week's show. And then now we're not doing all right anymore. This is not all right. This is okay. This is the point in the season where I wasn't worried about getting to. I was like, ho hum. Don't care. None of it. Really, I'm, I'm good. Now we're place out. This is the point of the season where we had to actually do something. This is the point of the season where we had to overcome what we haven't been able to overcome, the mountain we haven't been able to climb, the Houston Astros, they seem to be our kryptonite. I can't figure it out. It's, and I'm telling you, I'm not, it's not from any other perspective but a mental perspective. The Yankees are every bit as talented as that team, but that team is in their fucking head. And I don't care if they brought in new guys or whatever. It's still instilled in that organization's head. And it was I mean the way the benching of kind of falafel there at the end the, a lot of weird mistakes by Boone I don't care if the analytics are spitting out this or that or who does better in a this situation or that situation fuck that play your best players play to people who've gotten you there play the people who have helped you win ninety nine games and guess what kind of falafel for all you know he helped them. He was with them for 131 games. He played shortstop for the New York Yankees this year. He was the starter for 131 out of 162 games. You bench him at the end. I'm not going to lay it all on Boone because, listen, Judge didn't it. Other things happen. I don't affect, think it affects Judge's contract. He's getting paid this offseason no matter who pays him. Uh, that's a story and a conversation for another day. But this was the point in the season, that the only point in the season that I worried about all year long is do we have enough? And – our pitching kept us close in games, gave it up late sometimes, yes, but also kept us close. These games, for the most part, other than that, other than the last one, really weren't blowouts. So, I mean, they, they, they the first couple games were what five three, you know, uh, they were closer scores. They were games that the Yankees actually came up to bat late in the game and had a chance to win the game. They didn't do it. This is a failure. On the Yankees' part, this is a failure. I got to be honest. If you're not going to get rid of Cashman, you have to get rid of Boone. You have to bring in a manager who actually knows how to manage a fucking game. And if that is Boone, then give him the fucking reins and get the computer people off his back. But something has to change, and his analytics shit ain't getting it done. So it might win you 100 games a year, but I don't care about winning 100 games a year anymore. It doesn't entertain me. It doesn't excite me. It doesn't do anything for me. Because I can watch teams that win 88 games, but go into the playoffs hot and confident 
and kick the shit out of teams that come in there thinking that they're, you know, that, that they're on top. You know, you look at teams like the Phillies, you look at teams like the Padres, you look at some of these teams. And I, listen, I know that the Phillies really laid it on the Padres and that's fine. But these teams got hot at the right time. These teams are good, solid teams. Bryce Harbor, Carl Schwarber, these guys, these are, these are big time names. These aren't small names or small bats. You know, they, they, they've, they've done enough and you know what? They're getting hot at the right time. I can't fault them. I hate them. I don't like Philly. You know, I, I, it's just how I feel about their fan base, but in the same respect, I got to respect the hell out of what they're doing right now. But what I can't respect is the way the Yankees played because they kicked the ball around way too much. Mm. They, you know, didn't do it right. In my opinion, I just, you know, they, they didn't play good defense and they played good defense all year. And you could tell even, you know, with kind of full effort, that was his error. But with that being his error, you know, he also wasn't in the mindset after getting benched. So, I mean, it just, it, the whole team got fucked up late in the postseason by stupid moves, in my opinion. And they, they didn't go into the, the playoffs, um, you know, with the confidence they needed to beat a team like the Astros. The Astros <laughs> come into Yankee, come into Yankee Stadium and expect to win. The, you know, all, the, the, they have it over the Yankees. They know it right now. So they come in with a completely different mindset. And I'm telling yeah. you, it is, it's, it, it's, it's the complete difference in this organization. They've been bumped out of the playoffs now three out of the last five years by the Astros. You can't tell me that this team doesn't have something mentally over them, much like the Yankees had for the rep for, you know, over the Red Sox for a hundred years. You know, the Astros have something over us mentally right now, whether it's, you know, we still accuse them of cheating or whatever it is, you know, and that, oh, they cheated us out of one and this and that. Well, great, but we got to eventually get over that and make them pay for it. I mean, that, that's what we haven't done. And we're still, it seems like they're still in the sulking phase. Oh, they got over on his set. Fuck that. Get pissed, get mad, and kick their asses. But they don't do that. They fold to this team every time. And I'm, I'm tired of watching. To me, some of the moves that Boone made, I just shake my head at, and I go, what the hell are you doing? So, I mean, I, I, and again, if it's getting spit out of a computer, the computer guy's got to get fired. If it's not in these Boone's decisions, then Boone's got to go. If it's a player and personnel decision, which to me it's starting to be because why do we even have Connor Falefa here when we have guys like Peraza and guys like um, uh, Velope and, you know, other guys that are ready, almost ready to come up. Let's give them a chance instead of going out and trading for guys. Like I, I'm almost done. I think we got to give some kids a chance again and maybe start building again, but you know, with the right pieces, but the only thing I'm happy about is they didn't sign Donaldson long-term. It was a two-year deal. Um, I think the longest deal they've really signed in the last couple of years has been LeMay used for what, five or six. So, I, I mean, I yeah. think that's the longest one. Other than that, everybody else has been like two-year deals, three-year deals. So, they're going to be out from underneath some of this money soon. So hopefully they spend it in the right ways. But to me, Cashman and the organization haven't been about spending the money the way George did. And I think they need a little bit of George, you know, they need the, the ghost of, of George to, to wake up Hal here and uh, right some wrongs because this, this, this team, we need to get over to hump and whatever it is to get our confidence to that point. But this team lacks confidence when they play the Astros it was clear as day, and that's why they got their asses kicked. Well, one thing we hadn't talked about much this season that definitely, and you brought it up, did seem to rear its head in this series, the return of the spreadsheet. 
I guess you could say it never really went anywhere, but it was definitely more prominent this series than in any other series this season. So, yeah, I mean, we said it last year that maybe it was time for the Cashman-Boone thing to end. Cashman's had a great run with the Yankees, but sometimes things just run their course. Listening to Sweeney Murdy yesterday, it doesn't sound like they're going to do that. But at some point, you just wonder what it's going to take. Somebody has to be held accountable. What it's going to do, what it's going to take is literally the fan base to start turning on Hal Steinbrenner and start turning on them. And it's sad to say because I hate that kind of culture. I don't want everybody to turn negative. But somebody's got to wake Hal up because Hal's only worried about the money coming in the door right now and not necessarily worried about winning championships the way his father was. And I get it. They want to be a little more money smart and this, that, and the other thing, but there's a better way to do this. There's still the third highest or fourth highest payroll in all of baseball. If you're going to be that high, you should be spending it more wisely. And he's clear. Cashman clearly isn't doing that. You know, you could talk about, yes, Donaldson is a fantastic third baseman. Gold glove caliber. The guy hit 220. We don't have people on this team. And the one thing that we had for, especially the beginning stretch of the year is we were getting timely hitting. We were getting, you know, guys on base. We were running, we were doing different things that later in the year, when it got into the home run race, when it got into late July and August, things that we got away from. And it really was only Torres and judge hitting for the most part. And everybody else was pretty much slumping. And, you know, we got to have a team or more guys on the team that hit for average. You look around and I mean, you, you look at the Astros, they have guys that hit for average. They have got not, they strike out the seat. They were the second, um, the, the second lowest in strikeouts this year uh, for any team. So, I mean, they don't strike out much. They put the bat on the ball. You know, the Yankees were the second highest, I believe, in the league in strikeouts. So, you know, it, you see the clear difference there. If you put the bat on the ball, good things can happen. If you strike out 30 times in two games, nothing good is going to come of that. So something fundamentally needs to change. And even if you're not going to change the people, you need to change the mindset and at least fire the fucking computer guy because he sucks. Yeah. I'm not going to hear an argument from me there. Um, But with that, let's bring him in because he is here. Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? Living the dream, Mike. Living the dream. How you guys doing? I'm all right. We can Same. move off of baseball nowadays here. We don't got to dwell on this fucking shitstorm of a I'm shitty Yankee season. Dave, by the way, we're not doing all right anymore. We're not doing all right. We were doing all right until we played this I'm fucking com- Astro team, and we haven't done all right since. You know, it's, I'm funny coming up- that, it's funny you say that because, honestly, the only baseball input I had was that, like, I literally feel bad for both you guys because two teams you both don't like. So, like, no matter who wins the World Series, one of you are not going to be happy with who came out and won the World Series. So, to be honest with you, I'm not happy if either team wins because I don't like the Philly fan base as is. So, I mean, I'm good. I'm good with them not winning anything like, at all, even though I don't really hate the Phillies. I mean, I guess if I had to pull for a team, I might pull for the Phillies because I really fucking just dislike the Astros. But. Yeah, I would say if uh, this is one of those times that I wish that the season would just like strike out and end, then there is no champion. Damn, yeah. why, why can't there be a collective bargaining agreement uh, argument right, right now? now. Right <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, 
I'm with you on that, but listen, I I thought that I want Houston to win. I just don't want the Phillies to win. So that's where I'm going on that one. But I started to say this. I'm coming up with a new catchphrase for next year. We're doing all right. Didn't work. So I got to come up with a new one. And I think I know where I'm going with that. So just stay tuned on that. All right. Did you yeah, have any I other? Know, co- mine's going to be fuck the Astros. There you go. That'll be the I mean, first can... of the Browns. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could, do, you could do that one if you want to. I'm just, I mean, there's too many teams that I would put at the end of the fuck the part. There's too many for me, so I can't just boil that down to one team. Because, you know, you got your entire division. Then, no disrespect, Eric, but there's a lot of Yankee fans who aren't of your mindset. And the way you've been the last couple of years, they're dicks. I'm just going to be honest. So there's still that. Um, there's still the Dodgers. There's still the Cardinals. And it's probably about five more teams I'm not even thinking of. So I, that's just too numerous for me. But I got something else. I got something else. So anyway, with that, um, Dave, any other thoughts you wanted to throw in here? Or should we just move on? Oh, no, you're good. That's oh. literally the only thought I had towards baseball. Oh. Football. Fair enough. All right. So with football, we got – Seven weeks in, it is crazy we're already up to week eight right now. But in terms of teams who are doing all right here, Giants with the win over the Jaguars last week are now six and one. The Cowboys with the win over Detroit. Yeah, okay. We we all knew I wasn't winning that one in the picks, but that's fine. Cowboys are five and two. Eagles are sitting at six and oh. They were on the bye last week. And I guess that's as good a place to start with any. Eric, talk about your tryhards a little bit. Trying real hard. What else can you say about them? They're, 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 these are the teams that I said in the beginning of the year, if they were going to get the seven wins, they had to beat. Well, guess what? They looked at, they're trying to get the seven wins by next week. So, um, And in order to do that, this is a team they had to beat. So they did it. They uh, Evan Neal went down. I forget the other uh, lineman, lineman's name who also went down with injury. Um, but they lost two offensive linemen. Uh, their top tight end Bellinger also left the game early, so they were down some players early. Um, yeah, that being said, it is a good feeling to be a Giant fan right now. Haven't felt this good in a long time, so I'm just gonna ride it out while it's here. Again, don't expect a Super Bowl out of this team, so I'm not, you know, not getting my ex- aspirations or expectations as high as I would say have the Yankees for sure. But um, you know, th- what they're doing is impressive, and you know they're going to be a wild card team right now. So um, that being said, yeah, you know they're trying real hard. They're uh, kicking some ass. I mean, I even heard them arguing this morning. I think it was on like. I don't know whether it was get up or first take or one of them. Somebody was trying to make the argument for Daniel Jones over Lamar Jackson. I don't know if it was Rex Ryan or somebody. And I was like, I don't know about that. I think we need to pump the brakes on, you know, the Daniel Jones over Lamar Jackson, you know, debate. Um, But yeah, no, I'm happy as a giant fan as jet fans should be. Nobody expected the jets or the giants to be six and one or five and two. Uh, I don't know if you guys even uh, – one of you guys might even not even have the Jets at five wins this year. 
if I remember correctly. I don't know if somebody had them at four, maybe. <laughs> like they were, uh, they were not high on anybody's board. I can tell you that. I think I only had them for six, maybe or five myself. So I mean, uh, we we're sleeping on all these New York teams, and then you got the Bills. The, the New York is a football state right now, and a football the Tri County area, I should say, because let's face it, Giants Jets playing New Jersey. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, no, happy with my tryhards. Um, I'm happy for Jet fans too. I don't really hate the Jets. Kind of like the way I feel about the Mets. I'm like, eh, I don't hate the Mets. Like, I, you know, good for the Jets. You know, there's no, uh, there's no point in time hating the Jets. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's not you know fun. But other than that, going around the league, the other thing that just sticks out to me this week, guys, I'm gonna throw out to you, is what the fuck are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers doing? Like Aaron Rodgers seems like he's still on ayahuasca and uh, Tom Brady is uh, pounding his head against the wall, wondering why he didn't stay retired. Um, This is, this seems to be like, I I don't know, like a, a weird collapse, but at the same time, the Packers are only two games behind Minnesota. They're not out of it. And the Bucks are weirdly enough leading the NFC South. So as shitty as these guys keep playing, they're still in it. So you can't count them out. Um, but yeah, what the fuck? Like I, I just don't know what to make of these two teams because they're playing some shitty fucking football right now. I mean, the Packers just just uh, they they've lost now to the Jets, the Commanders. Um, the Giants, they're, 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 it's not like they're playing world beaters. No, like they're not, they're not playing very good competition. I mean, really they played the Pat, they played the Vikings who beat them. They beat the bears. They beat the Bucks, who's the other shitty team, 14, 12 in a real fucking crap fest. And then, you know, uh, they beat the Patriots, lose the Giants, Jets, and Commanders. I mean, I, you just don't know what to make of these teams. I mean, uh, to me, I think these guys are done. I think their time is over. I hate to say it, but I think, you know, I think the way we all feel is the AFC's on the rise, especially with a lot of the young quarterbacks they have out there. And if this is the best the NFC's got, the NFC better get better a lot faster. Well, I'll say this and then I'll throw it to Dave. I I don't think they're totally done. I definitely think the end is near. But I'll be interested to see where both teams are a month from now. Because like I mentioned a few weeks ago, I feel like at least with the Packers, like they've started off the season three and four before, and then Rodgers kind of finds his way on that. This is one of the worst stretches I've ever seen from uh, a Brady-led team. I feel like the last time was – Whatever year it was where they went two and two to start off the season and the second loss was the really bad one against the Chiefs on like a Sunday or Monday night game and everybody started asking if Brady was done and then Brady made it back to the Super Bowl that year. So I'm not ready to say it yet. It's definitely looking like Brady could should have just sailed off though. What do you say, Dave? Uh, the last time Brady was a starting quarterback and was below 500 seven weeks into the season was 2002. So it's been 20 years since we've seen this out of a Brady-led team. Rodgers, I mean, when it's all said and done, I think the Packers are finally getting what they deserve by not putting more talent around him and not drafting more consciously um, around that offense. 
Because defensively, they're not getting blown out. They're not giving up massive amounts of points. It's just their offense is going three and out way too consistently. And I think you're looking at uh, something where, you know, as a GM and in an ownership group, you got to really start wondering, you know, what you're doing with your drafts and why you're not capitalizing on your first-round picks and bringing guys in that could really have a huge impact instead of bringing in more, like, quote-unquote, developmental guys. I think that's a huge, you know, question mark with them. Um, but yeah, the Bucks and Brady, that offensive line can't really protect, uh, defensively. They're not playing anywhere near as good as they have over the last couple of years, but like going full circle back to the giants. And this is something we talked about after they were three and one. Uh, and I, I'm just curious to know, like, like Eric, if it's you, Saquon and Daniel Jones are both done contract wise after this year and they are literally what's driving the offense do you tag Saquon give Saquon a, a contract because you're not going to tag Daniel Jones you're not going to give Daniel Jones 28 million dollars you're just not going to do it so do you tag Saquon and let Daniel Jones test free agency do you give Saquon a contract and tag Daniel Jones do you like if you're the Giants GM and let's say the season continues going the way it's going and they take one of the wild card spots and say, and is this a perfect world? Is this a perfect world? Yeah. Like, like Galladay's off your books. He's not counting against your cap anymore. Like in a perfect world, what I am doing is I am franchising Saquon and I am dropping Daniel Jones and I am signing Lamar Jackson. Because okay. I have Lamar, a two-headed Lamar, monster Lamar. in the backfield of Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley, <laughs> and then you just put any kind of receivers that have any kind of competence around, and maybe a good, solid tight end, and that offense is going to be beautiful. Yeah, Lamar's not happening, but we you, you need to accept this. <laughs> uh, if he does, if he does not sign with the Ravens, why would the Giants not make that move? Because the Ravens can franchise tag him for the next two years, and Lamar can't do anything. If he doesn't sign it, he can't play. I just don't think that the, the it's going to come to that. I think that they're going to either trade him, move him, do something, and if they trade him again, Giants make the move, trade for him. You want my perfect world? My perfect world is they let him walk. He comes to the Giants. All right, so let, let's – And it's and, and, and happy – Happy time because I would love to see what Dable could do with a guy with a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. All right, so Lamar's off the table. I hate to break it to you, but that's not happening. So Daniel Jones, are you <laughs> walk? Or are you and I'm letting him walk either way. Any way this scenario goes, if it's a happy thought in my mind, Daniel Jones is walking. I don't want to pay that guy a dime unless he's willing to come back for low money to be a backup to whoever the next guy we bring in is going to be. Okay. I mean, me personally, I, pretty... I, would, I would tag I would tag Saquon as well. We've seen what happened with McCaffrey and Zeke, the last two running backs to get big deals. You don't give a running back a big deal. I'm sorry. It just it sucks for running backs, but that's the reality of the NFL and the league that is today. So you tag Saquon. I let Daniel Jones test free agency and just ask, hey, whatever the best offer is that you get, bring it to us and we'll either match it or wish you nothing but the best. Mm. Fair enough there. I, I definitely get – I mean, 
I feel like Eric's been ready to move on from Daniel Jones since his first week. So that's not really a surprise. And yeah, I don't think you can sign Barkley to a big free agent contract just because of the injury history and everything. And he's been fine so far this season, but how do you know you don't give him that contract? And the same thing happens as you mentioned, Zeke, McCaffrey, all the other ones who've gotten big dollar contracts. That's why you don't see him that often. So I'm with you there. And I know we said we were going to talk Cowboys. We can still do that. But I think this is a good way to segue into two big trades that were made this week. One pretty big, one of the biggest ones I can remember midseason in a while. Christian McCaffrey going from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers uh, for four Andrew draft McCaffrey picks. goes to uh, the 49ers? Yeah, did I not say 49ers? No, no, no. I, I was just making sure. Injured for injured uh, McCaffrey went out there. Injured McCaffrey, I get what you. Okay, haha, ha. I get that. I'm just from, saying. I mean, you, 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 they sent him out there for a second, a third, a fourth, possibly a fifth. It's a sixth right now, but it'll probably turn into a set, uh, a fifth real soon. Four picks. Ooh, four picks. Such a big haul. Fucking give me a break. The guy's an injury prone mess. He's a, he's a great running back when he can stay on the field. The problem is he can't ever stay on a field, and that's what's wrong with him. So I, I don't want him. If somebody else wants him, listen, to be honest, Barkley's got to stay healthy for a whole season. He's another guy who can't stay healthy. I got to be honest with you. He hasn't really that's been what I said. year. And another guy I'm not going to give big money to, uh, not right off the bat. So I, that's how I would franchise him. Keep him for, you know, okay, money for the next year and then see what happens. If he can stay healthy for two years running, then maybe I think about paying him. I'm not paying him right now. Like, I'm not paying him just after one season. You got to prove it to me. Give me two at least before you get your money. And, you know, then I'm okay with paying him. I just don't think McCaffrey at his injury prone level is worth it or worth the four draft picks, which I don't think we're even that high. I mean, when you're giving up second round picks for a guy that, I mean, he was a, first round pick when he was drafted a few years ago so and a very high one if i'm not mistaken right so uh, top I, 10 I, with uh le, top 10 with yeah. leonard fournette yeah yeah so i mean you know you look at it and he, 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 the value isn't there to pay these guys the monster money i get it but at the same time i also don't think he was worth the haul that he got and do I think he makes San Fran's offense better? Yeah, because San Fran it was a little bit depleted as is um, at that running back position. So, yeah, Christian McCaffrey coming in, and now you have Debo Samuel, and you got Brendan Nayuk, and you got things going on there. They, they can maybe put an offense around Garoppolo to try to make a push there for the West because nobody's running away with it. I think that's the other thing that pushed them into this trade is Nobody's running away with that West yet. The Rams aren't running away with nobody. And they think maybe if they make this move, improve their offense just a little bit more, <laughs> a, little bit more the, a little bit more in the run game, a little bit more controlling the clock, uh, they think it can lead to some more wins. I think I tend to agree with them. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think it's a, you know, the draft picks are, like I say to you guys, it's all in what you do with them. And right now, Carolina is showing me they don't know what the hell they're doing with their draft picks. So, to me, they got four draft picks back, but woo, who gives a fuck? Because they ain't going to draft anybody good with them. And, you know, so to me, they're big fat losers in this. And San Fran got a running back that they got to, you know, pray to every night that he doesn't somehow end up with some kind of injury. But, uh, I, I, you know, 
I that, that that's the best I got for you. But yeah, I'm I I I guess I like it better for San Fran than I do for Carolina. But either way, I just I think there's risks on both sides, and I don't think it leads to a San Fran championship. No, no. What do you say, Dave? Yeah, I can't say. Uh... I think McCaffrey is the make or break on a championship. I think it's going to boil down to what they get out of Garoppolo. Um, I mean, we've seen his good, we've seen his bad, and at this point we know what kind of quarterback he is, and he benefits from good coaching and players around him, not as so much uh, what his talent and skill level really are. Um so it's going to boil down to how Garoppolo performs, what he's able to put out there, and you know, can he make some big plays when it really falls on him to make a big play and not have it be, you know, some two little yard dump off to McCaffrey or Debo? Like, can he actually lead his team down the field and, and win a game? But with that said, I mean, San Francisco, I think for the most part was, you know, one of the favorites of the NFC going into this year. And all, I mean, I think that McCaffrey going there just improves that, but there's still there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered about that team specifically uh, revolving around Garoppolo. So, but for McCaffrey, I, I yep. think I'm sure he's more than happy that he's there instead of Carolina right now, even though Carolina came out and just banked Tampa Bay, PJ Walker all the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the only thing I really feel to throw in, cause you guys kind of said it perfectly is God, I wouldn't be want to be the poor schlub who just traded for Jeff Wilson Jr. in fantasy a couple of weeks. Oh, wait, I am that schlub. Yeah, okay, 0-7. Fuck. Anyway, and then you have another trade that happened running back-wise last night. The Jets, we said, you know, good start, 5-2 and two on the season. They lost Brees Hall for the season. Um, they lost their uh, tackle, uh, Isaiah Vera Tucker for the season, I believe. They went out last night. They traded for James Robinson. I believe they traded a sixth-round pick to the Jaguars for him. I don't think it's a world-beater move. I don't think anyone looks at that and is like, oh, okay, they solved it now. But I do give Joe Douglas some credit for making that move and acting quick and recognizing you got a good start here. You kind of want to keep the momentum going. So at the very least, I don't think they lose anything, even though Brees Hall – has been an early season favorite for offensive rookie of the year so far. So losing that is a hit, but I thought it was a nice replacement for him with James Robinson. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was a nice. Re- oh, go ahead, Dave. You go first. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's definitely not an upgrade uh, from Brees Hall, but I think it's a solid compliment to go with Carter and, you know, gives them the opportunity to continue playing the type of football that they've been playing, which has been run the ball first, play good defense, keep the game close and hope you make enough plays and the ball bounces your way enough times that you can pull out wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eric, go ahead. Uh, nice return for the ham sandwich they gave up. And this, as I've heard said many times, cements the fact that Travis Etienne is now their starting running back, which I don't really think was up for debate. But now, absolutely, 
No question on that one. So we could keep going here. I unless you guys got anything else, I do want Dave's thoughts on the Cowboys win. Uh, Dak came back. And no, actually, Don- you guys, if you don't mind, talk about the Cowboys for a couple of minutes. I actually have to take a call real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. So uh, definitely talk it up, Cowboy-wise. I'll be back. All right. Well, Dave, you did call it last week. Wow, Mike, you're on a good run. You had the 6-0. and Why would you pick Dallas to lose to Detroit? Boy, you were right there, 24-6. Dallas Spang, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it, truthfully. We all know I'm I'm okay with it. Pollard has the big game. Zeke winds up having a good game. Prescott, um, just to pull up the stats here, close to three, uh, 207 yards, one touchdown. Pollard, 83 yards on the ground, also involved in the passing game. Zeke, 57 yards on 15 carries, two touchdowns. So that's what you'd like to see from the Cowboys. Well, my favorite part and what I like the most is that they didn't change up what was working for them with Cooper Rush. They just had a quarterback right. that they trusted to make take some more deep shots down the field and stretch the field a little bit. Um, I would love for them to start mixing in a little RPO and, you know, make Dak a little bit more of a threat on the ground. I understand not doing it in his first game back, um, but I would like to see that from them. I think that's an aspect of their – offense that they don't utilize and I don't understand why they don't utilize it but they don't so um but other than that like all in all like this game was won by Micah Parsons um you know he makes a huge tackle uh that would have put that if he didn't hustle the way he hustled and make the tackle that he made Detroit goes up 13-10 and who knows what happens with, like, 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. But instead, he, he hustles after a screen pass got past him, tackles the tight end on the one-yard line. Next play, Demarcus Lawrence sheds, I don't know, three different blocks and punches the ball out. Dallas recovers it on the one. They're able to get a couple first downs, flip field position, and then the defense basically pin their ears back and – Got them short fields on back-to-back uh, drives. They've got them touchdowns to give them the uh, twenty-four to six lead. Um, yeah, like when you if you watch this game from start to finish, this was not a twenty-four-six win. Like this is a game Dallas escaped with. It just don't look like that on the scoreboard. So I think that's a big thing to really pay attention to. This is definitely a defensive first team which I have absolutely no problem with. But at the same time, maintaining drives and giving that defense time to catch their breath so that they're more fresh each time they go out there, that to me is going to be the key that determines how far this team really can go. So, um, because Detroit wasn't really struggling with moving the ball, but, I mean, Dallas with five sacks, five turnovers. I mean, I don't like – what the hell else can you and you know? And when it's all said and done, <laughs> what uh, what what can you ask for to not have at least a two possession win? So um, definitely not. A, you know, it's definitely a game where it didn't all of a sudden make me say, "Wow, Dallas is actually better than Philly now that Dak's back." Um, but I also think was a, this was a great game for Dak to have on the schedule to shake the rust off. 
Um, I think that depending on what Chicago team shows up on Sunday this week, could be another game for him to kind of knock some rust off. Um, but they made a, a trade for the D tackle, Jonathan Hankins out of uh, Vegas uh, to beef up their, their interior defensive line because they, they really been struggling, um, you know, with stopping the run um, specifically on the outside plays. Um so I like that trade. I don't think he'll be active for the first game or two that he's with the team just so that he can learn the scheme, start working with Dan Quinn, all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, this game was won by Micah Parsons uh, more than anybody else, in my opinion, um, and that offensive line. Um, but uh, all in all, I had no issue with Dak's uh, performance. I thought Dak played well. He looked. I mean, I think he went 10 of 11 for 112 yards and a touchdown in the second half. Um you know, and, and like I said, they, they played more of a tight game plan like they did with Cooper Rush. And I, I – not that I don't think Dak could chuck it 40 times in a game, give you 350 yards, a couple touchdowns, and win a game. But that's not how you win in the playoffs and, and when it matters the most. And, and I think that's hopefully the lessons they learned last year. Um, but overall, the 24-6 to 6 is a misleading score. Like this, this game that Dallas – they could have been down 13-10 – um, if it wasn't for the play Parsons made and then the following play by Demarcus Lawrence to force the turnover. Um, so this, this score is misleading, uh, to say the least. But overall, a win's a win. You walk as long as you can get it. You don't really care how it happens, uh, especially in football with only 17 games to play. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Lions are definitely one of those teams where if I'm them, I might look at benching golf suck it up, accept the fact you're not going to be that good this year, and then take advantage of the fact that you get a high draft pick and maybe get your quarterback of the future because I think at this point we're looking at golf as a backup after this season, whether it's in Detroit or somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely talk about the quarterback who did get benched for the rest of the season this week at some point. But um, I will say this. I agree with everything you said there. Um Good win, definitely could have gone either way. Um, I do want to ask you one thing real quick, because I've been looking at the numbers the last few weeks here. Is it time to say Michael Gallup is not going to be the, one of their top two receivers this year and just say Noah Brown's their number two? Because no. he's been looking pretty – no? No, I, and I understand why he asked that question. Since he's been back, I think he has like five catches and not even a hundred yards and one touchdown. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of Gallup's like what makes Gallup a, a player for them is he's their stretch the field guy. He's there, toss it up there down the field, let him jump up and make a play. And that's something he's done since he's been in Dallas. Um, and I, I think that's, that's his niche, but I don't think Dallas went into specifically this week's game thinking that's what they needed to do. Um, I think Gallup's a guy where he's going to have some huge games down the stretch, but he's also going to have some quiet games. But overall, Dak loves Gallup. And, uh, I mean, I think having Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and, and Noah Brown is, is a better one, two, three combo than any of us thought it was going to be coming into the year. Um, but the last five, six games, you haven't been able to see it because, you know, actually all season, you really haven't seen it because they played a, 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 a what we thought was a good Tampa Bay defense the opening week. Dak goes down, then you're playing a conservative, conservative uh, game. 
with Cooper Rush as your backup. Gallup just comes back two weeks ago off of an ACL injury. Like, Gallup's the guy, like, to me, like, Gallup's the guy, like, I mean, if you want to talk stat statistically, Gallup's the guy that might help you win a fantasy championship. Like, he's the guy that I think the last couple of weeks of the season you're going to see have, have one hell of a stretch. I just think it's going to take some time for him to be 100% confident in, the le- in his knee. And also, you know, you're 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 looking at a couple games before Dak really feels like Dak again. And once that happens, I think you're gonna you'll see them connect. But it's not gonna be every week. He's never been an every week wide receiver to go off. And honestly, when you look at Dallas's offense, they really don't have a they they haven't had a wide receiver since Dak's been there that's gone off every single week. I mean, even by the time he took over and Des was still on the team, Des was kind of fading at that point and and wasn't dominating every week. Uh, that is fair. That is fair. I think Cooper was probably the closest thing to it with him, but even he didn't go off every week. So I can give you that one. Yeah. And he um, would here in some of their biggest games and other times they'd have huge games and he'd go off. I, I just, I don't think, and I think it's a good thing. Like me personally, like I don't think uh, as an offense you want, you want numerous guys that defenses are worried about or guys that can't roll their coverage to, because then, I think it makes it easier for your quarterback to read the defense because they, they got to be in more of a shell or a base because they don't know which guy they should roll towards. And I will say a number one receiver, you want him to be your big guy, of course, when it comes to the yards and everything, but that's not his sole purpose. The games where the number one receiver is quiet, the hope is he's quiet because he's drawing all the defenders for double and triple coverage, and he opens the field up for your two and three guys. And that's how they get open. That's how they get their marks on there. If anything, I think that's what led to C.D. Lamb having such a good first couple of years to his career because you had a guy like Cooper who could take the pressure off and draw the defenses. Yeah, I, I mean, that is the, that's, your, that's your main pro of having a number one wide receiver. But mm-hmm. if, you, if I can have, you know, three really good wide receivers and no number one, compared to a uh, number one and then average wide receivers. I mean, look at Green Bay and what they did when Devontae Adams was their only guy. Yeah, they won a bunch yeah. of games the season, but you got no ring to show for it. True. I, I, I like the, I like how they, they run their offense right now. I don't, I don't care if Dak ever throws for over 300 yards again this entire season. If they're winning games and they're winning it because they're, they're, they're owning the line of scrimmage on offense and defense, that, that's how you win in football. I mean, football may have changed when it comes down to going from centric around the run game to more caring about the passing game. I understand that's changed. When it's all said and done, the team that wins the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball is always going to be the best team, and I care more about that than whatever statistics are on your box score. Very true. Very true. All right, well, a couple other things to bring up this week, and hopefully Eric will – be coming back shortly here. Um, so Matt Ryan, bench for the season. I believe you pronounce his name Sam Erringer is going to be taking over as a starter for the Colts. And um, Dave, I got to be honest, that uh, prediction of yours at the beginning of the season not oh, looking so great right now. No, it's dead. That is dead. Yeah. I mean, and Over- like – I follow one of their uh, one of the Colts beat writers on Twitter, and he he said it perfectly, and, and it makes me feel a little bit better. 
is that the biggest issue in Indianapolis is they haven't addressed their offensive their issues on the offensive line. And until they do so, it don't matter who's standing back there. They're not going to be able to win games. I mean, even if you look at Jonathan Taylor and his statistics for the year, he's not anywhere near what anybody thought he was going to be for the year. And, you know, it again, it goes back to what I was just saying before. If you can't win the line of scrimmage, you're not going to win many games. Now, Matt Ryan was turning over the ball like he was getting paid for it, um, <laughs> which, you know, you deserve to get benched when you're turning over the ball. I don't care what your name is, who you are, what you've done in the past. If you're playing quarterback and you're turning the ball over, you shouldn't be on the field. So, I mean, I understand the benching, but I think uh, – I think it's it's trying to put a Band-Aid on, like, something that needs a hell of a lot more than a Band-Aid. Band-Aid on a bullet wound. There you go. I couldn't think of the no. right analogy. That works. That's what I'm here for. All right. Um, yeah, you were the first person I thought of when I heard that, honestly. So, had to oh, bring yeah. that up. I went to text you guys like, well, uh, can I change my Super Bowl <laughs> prediction? <laughs> can I please? But no, that's uh, that's one I'm going to have to own. And thankfully, that doesn't count towards our uh, our game picks themselves. No, no, no. I mean, let's be honest. You had a good run last year with the Niners, the way that all went. So the idea that you pick a team that none of us were thinking of you know, it made sense at the time because I don't think any of us were really thinking the Niners last year, and it worked. So, you you know, we gave you the benefit of the doubt, and I don't think anybody would have predicted that Matt Ryan would be benched by week eight. So, like, if you had that on the NFL bingo card going to this season, good for you. I never would have saw that. I mean, I, I will say that if you asked Eric what's more likely, Matt Ryan le- leading the Colts to the Super Bowl or Matt Ryan being benched by the halfway mark of the season – he probably would have went with Matt Ryan being benched by the halfway mark of the season. The way he was talking at the beginning of the season, I can definitely see that. So yeah. I give you that one, yeah. But yeah, and if I'm the Colts, yeah. they had a huge. They would have taken sole possession of first place in their division if they beat Tennessee. And then you're throwing picks to the house and turning over the ball, and then he can't make a tackle on defense, like. Like there, there, there's a lot more problems than just Matt Ryan right now in, in Indianapolis, but like they always say, I mean, the quarterbacks are uh, what make a team go. And if you're going to bench somebody, that's probably the best. Or if you're going to bench somebody and try to send a message, the quarterback's the best guy to bench. So uh, I'm sure a lot of guys out on that team are like, okay, well, I guess we're on notice. True, true. And then I think, unless you can think of something else here, I'd say the other story that definitely stood out to me, I know I've probably been less, I don't know if less willing to see it is the way to say it, but I think now is the time to say Patriots are probably finishing under 500 this season. Well, I mean, if, if they keep playing roulette with their freaking quarterbacks, they're definitely going to be uh, in trouble. I don't care. Yeah. I You can ask around, and the NFL players will tell you, we, we'll take consistent consistency. Like, if both our quarterbacks are sucking, like, just pick one and let's ride it out. We know what we're working with. We know what we're dealing with. So, 
just pick one and, and we'll we'll adjust accordingly. But don't bounce back and forth and, and and expect your your offense. I mean, the cadences can be different. The language that they use or how they say things can be different. The velocity mm-hmm. put on a ball. The, I mean, there's so many factors that you you're just you're just putting your players in a position where how are they supposed to get their feet under them and get into the momentum of a game when you're playing roulette with your quarterback? I mean, they had a tight game. They had to lead at one point last night. And then they're just like, oh, well, Mac, Mac Jones threw an interception. Let's bet, bench him and put the other guy in. And then he's playing like shit. And at that point, they're like, ah, let's put Mac back in. And ah, he didn't play that well. Let's put him back in and we'll run him out the rest of the game. Like, I, like, like they always say, if you if you got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. It did seem really weird to me. It, it, a very unBelichick like move. Mac Jones starts the game, throws the interception, and he automatically goes to the backup. I know Zap had been playing well in Jones's absence, but if you're making the decision to go back to Mac Jones. Maybe give him more than a couple of series before you decide to pull the rug out. Because I mean, like Zaps, I, I'm sorry, Dave. I was just gonna say Zaps started out well, like he had a good first series from what I know. But then, like you said, he went back to kind of shit in the bed there. So, dude, was it really worth it? Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, and that it just doesn't make sense. Like, Mac Jones is your guy. He played pretty well last year. You know, he gets hurt. Uh, he, you know, you basically kind of take his job away from him. But you don't, you know, you, maybe you're just playing him more cautious to let him, you know, make sure he's 100% healthy. All right, cool, that makes sense. And then you bring him back for his first game on a rainy Monday night, like, I, it, it doesn't make sense to not ride him out the whole game. Like, I mean, Zappy didn't do anything while he was replacing Mac Jones to have you sit there and think to yourself, like, actually, this might be the better route for us to go. Like, he didn't do anything that made you think that, at least in my opinion. I didn't watch their game, you know, beginning to end and watch every snap, but I don't, I don't see how you watched him play from what I saw and was like, oh, yeah. I mean, you beat Detroit, what, 29 or 39, whatever it was, nothing. All right, cool. That's great. But you played Detroit. Yeah. Like, I I don't – I don't understand the – I don't know. I I don't know if Belichick is just like, ah, fuck it. I'm just throwing caution in the wind. Like, maybe this is my last year, so he don't care. Like, I don't know. But definitely – Definitely does not make sense to me how they handled that game last night. And you could just tell, like, their defense just lost the momentum. The offense just kept going three and out, punting the ball, turning the ball over. And after a while, at some point, your defense is just going to feel defeated or like, hey, they're the only ones out there even trying to play. Like, give us some support. Give us some consistency on the other side of the ball. And they weren't getting it. And they they basically gave in and lost to a Chicago team that if – Anybody, if we're all being honest, or if that was the game you had to pick for your survivor pool, nobody was going to pick Chicago to beat New England. And here we are. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely say, something nobody expected. Oh, that, go ahead. I just, I just, I just won't say that their season's done because it's Belichick. 
That it is. Not looking good at the moment, though. And Eric is back here. Um, Eric, we were talking about uh, the Patriots lost to the Bears last night. Just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, with the way Belichick sounded about his quarterbacks, whenever you have two quarterbacks, you really have no quarterbacks. So Dave just said the same thing. Daniel Jones back last night. What was going on with Daniel or uh, not Daniel Jones? Mac Jones last night. Um, I, I don't know. All oh, that's kind of weird. Um, did he start? I, I didn't see the beginning of the game. He didn't. What I know, Mac Jones. Mac Jones started, and then after his first interception, they pulled him for zap. Yeah, embarrassment. Um, to be honest with you, you don't pull a kid after, especially with what he's done there too uh, over the last year and a half almost yeah no it's I don't know what Bill's doing Bill's on his last leg there he doesn't know what he's doing right now and, and yeah this is this is the uh, that by this is the the dynasty's over you're never gonna see the Patriots back to where they were this is now an open division really the Bills division now if you really want to claim it for anybody um until they're knocked off the horse but the, the Patriots might be the fourth best in the pecking order right now. Um, it's the way it looks in the standings. And to be honest, kind of the way I'm feeling. So I, I don't know if this is a referendum on Belichick and his coaching style or what he may need to do different with this team. But I don't think the Belichick way clicks with people the same way it did 20, 25 years ago when he started there at the Patriots or 23 years ago, 24 years ago. Um I don't know if it resonates the same with this new, you know, influx of players. And I'm wondering if the, if Belichick in the next year or two, I mean, I got to think he's done, right? It will be interesting to see what happens when he gets to the end of his next contract, which it has to be coming in the next year or two, I would think. So, yeah, it's strange. I really thought, when Brady left, I thought you were going to see Belichick be able to do something. Maybe not get him back to a Super Bowl, but definitely get him back, maintain some sort of prominence. And first it was the Cam Newton experiment. Then last year they made the playoffs, but it, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, bounced in the wild card round, if I'm not mistaken. And now this year he's pulling quarterbacks after two series in their first game back. So that's that's just a little strange. All right, I think with that, um, let's go to picks now. And well, just to read just about Justin Fields, I guess I might as well touch on the Bears. Bears D just played well last night. Justin Fields looked better, but to be honest, he's still not a not a primetime quarterback. Just, just, I don't think just so. gonna throw that out think. there. Yep. No, I agree. I I don't think he's there yet. Um so let's move on to picks here, and we'll do a little recap of last week real quick. Mike, really, well, Mike, Mike, really quick before you do that, can we just yes, sir? Can we just shout out the Seahawks? Like first in their division, four and two, huge win, huge win, I believe, on the road. Yeah, on the road against the Chargers, who's supposed to be, you know, one of the potential favorites. Um, I just, I, I think they deserve some recognition. So just want to shout them out and Geno Smith for what they're doing. Cause 
I, I think they're like, I mean, you look at the Seahawks, the Jets, the Giants. I mean, those teams are some really surprising teams. Minnesota at five and one. Minnesota, like, I mean, you look at some, yeah, like some of these teams are, are shockingly, like, have shockingly good records. And I just it's wanted to, pretty... the Vikings were on a bye, so that's probably why I'm saying that. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to shout out the Seahawks for what they've done. I think it's quite impressive. No, I, I can't disagree with you on that one. When you're four and three in a season that everybody thought you were done, especially when you said you're starting Geno Smith at quarterback. Yeah, I can't really add too much more to that. So I, I definitely agree with you on there. A lot of surprising things happening this year. You know, you mentioned that we talked about the Giants. We talked about the Cowboys, Jets, Dolphins at four and three, Tua needs to learn how to slide though because i'm sure we all saw the play where he was running with the ball in the first half going head first into a tackler learn how to slide yeah so there's that yeah and ten i mean not really a surprise but tennessee at four and two. Oh, dave you want to ask eric the question um about the Colts and what he thought was more likely. <laughs> so, Eric, I mean, I think we, I think we both know, but yeah, like, so we touched on the fact that Matt Ryan is officially benched. Um, and Mike pointed out, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure when the season started, nobody would have saw that coming. And I was like, well, I bet you if we asked Eric before the season started, what he thought was more likely that uh, the Colts making the Super Bowl, like I predicted, or Matt Ryan being benched at the midway mark of the year. I feel like we, we, we know what your answer is going to be, but just to hear it from your own mouth, um, what do you think would have been more likely? My prediction of the Colts making the Super Bowl, not winning it, but making it, or Matt Ryan being benched by week eight. Going into the season, if you would have gave me those two things, I would have said I would have said the latter, to be honest with you. I really had no faith in Matt Ryan coming into this year. <laughs> I don't know why they signed him. It seemed like a weird signing to me. I they went from Wentz to Matt Ryan and I went, why? They're the they're the same, but Wentz was younger. I didn't understand it. He had the same production. Um I, I, yeah, if you would ask me, to me, it would be Matt Ryan because he wasn't blowing the doors off of anybody in Atlanta. And to be honest, he had great weapons around him for a lot of years there, even in the last couple of years till Julio got traded and things started to happen. But, you know, for a year or two there, where Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones were, you know, as good a combination as any in the league. And he really wasn't, you know, getting the numbers that he probably should have with those two. So, um, and with that offense, so I'm not that surprised to see this happen. And I would, I would say that, yeah, it would be option two. I think I would have picked because I didn't have any faith in Matt Ryan going into this year. Yeah, that's about what we thought. Yep. (laughs) That's about right. Okay. All right. So let's head into picks here. And like I said, let's do a little recap last week real quick. 
So, yeah, everybody picks Dallas except me. We all pick Kansas City. We all picked New England and Tampa Bay. Dave picked Jacksonville. Everybody else picked the Giants. And everybody except Eric picked Indianapolis. And I'm going with Fife said if Jonathan Taylor started, he had Indy. So that's what I'm going with because Taylor did play last week. So with that being said, surprisingly, both me and Dave were at two and four this past week. I'm back in last place at 22, 19 and one. Fife went three and three last week, putting him in third place at 24, 17 and one. And we are back to a tie for first place because Eric went four and two last week. Both Dave and Eric are at 25, 16 and one. Just how it's supposed to be, Eric. <laughs> but we're duking it out. It's a heavyweight fight. What can I say? There you it, go. This is like three years in a row, my man. It's exactly how it's supposed to be. <laughs> All right. So I think with that, it is time for picks. And as always, we start with Aglioloro's Aggravation of the Week. And yeah, I am going to go with the Dallas game this week. Dallas is taking on Chicago. And I'm aggravated. Because I'm going to pick Dallas. I'm going to go <laughs> against my superstition here. So y'all see. I think this is going to Bears... be a clean. I think this is going to be a clean sweep, though. I know it's an aggravation for you, but for me, this is easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You could go ahead and give me them cowgirls. That was not necessary. That was not necessary. Um, I, Dave, I, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this, but it's aggravating for me because I'm just going to say, if the Bears wind up shocking the world and having two straight wins here, I'm just going to know it's my fault because I picked the Cowboys. So, Dave, go ahead. <laughs> oh, Mike, one of these days we'll get it through your head that whatever you say or do literally has no impact at all on the outcome of a game, but I feel you. Um, I mean, if it was true, the Mets would have won three championships by now. You know that, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah. Got your rally cap on. You got whatever you got to do, but it is what it is. Um, honestly, I think the worst thing that happened for the Bears that really hurts them on having a chance to win this game is the fact that they won on Monday night. Um, reason I say that is you win on Monday night and put out one of arguably your best offensive performance of the entire year, which now gives a Dallas defense that probably would have went into this game saying, no way we give up more than a field goal and says, wow, this team actually can move the ball against a good defense. And now they're going to take things way, way more serious than they probably would have if, if Chicago lost to New England like everybody expected. Um, they're also coming off of a short week playing on a Monday night to then play a one, to play in a 1 o'clock game in Dallas um, on the road back-to-back -back weeks as well. So that doesn't help them. So, yeah, I mean, outside of any, like, crazy, random, off-the-wall injury news that comes up uh, for Dallas, like, if you told me Michael Parsons wasn't playing this week, I'd change this this pick. Um, but as far as I know, he's suited, booted, and ready to go and go after that defense player of the year. 
um, award and even going to try and get his name thrown into the MVP voting, which we all know won't matter because he won't get it either way. Um, yeah, you can give me down. That was the most long-winded way for me to say give me the Cowboys, but I'm sure you picked up on that already. Mm. Here's another thing I'm aggravated about. I love Micah Parsons, but he did something to piss me off. He cheered for Philadelphia making the World Series because he's a Penn State guy. Didn't need to be reminded of that. I didn't need that. Yeah, it's like Eric. Might be huh? honest. With you. If he if if during his career with Dallas he helped lead them to a Super Bowl, will you forgive him for that? Well, of course. But I'm just saying. Right now, I was a little aggravated by that. Fair enough. Yes, absolutely, I would. I'd still if he's still cheering for Philadelphia after that, I'd roll my eyes. But it'd be like, all right, we finally got a ring, so it's a fine. But it's still just yeah. Anyway, all right. Um. It is now time for Hastings Highlight of the Week. So, um, sure, the NFL isn't really happy about this, uh, but there's literally only one game where both teams playing have a winning record. Thankfully for them, they at least have it in the 425 slot. Oh, wait, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you about to take... No, I I don't know. That one might already. I, I I think I see the one he's going to take. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You can't. I, I, I there's a text that uh, I think that's going to be the fight of the week. I don't think that's the game he's going for. No. Uh, no, it, I, I there's the one game of the on the entire schedule. Yeah, that's the see. only game, Mike. That's the only game where both that. teams are over five hundred. It's the Wait only entire week. That it, both games are both teams are over five hundred. Oh, you well, actually, I'm with Eric. Then, if you're picking the one, I think you're thinking um, that was kind of earmarked for the fight of the week. Yeah, I, I just went back to the text messages and saw it. Oh, I will choose a different one out of respect. Well, no, no, but I will say I that think... that game is worthy of being picked because if it wasn't the highlight, it really should have been the fight of the week. Like, so I'm, I'm happy. It's in one of those two spots. Cause I didn't want to have to pick it for a toilet bowl. I'll tell you that. No, it, again, you can't be the only game of the week where both teams are above 500 and be a toilet bowl or a shit show. You just can't. No, no, can't no. Do it. Can't do it. But I will, I will respect that as a fight of the week with no hesitation at all, but it will require an additional second. Right, I, you know, I see one right here, but Dave, that I'm a little surprised you're not picking because it's a team you're you're normally way higher on than us, and they just did trade for a big piece. I see that's the one I thought he was going for originally. Yeah, but the two quarterbacks playing in that game are not a highlight. A highlight. Yeah, game. they're they're garbage. I agree. So I'll go with the Sunday night game, even though it's probably uh, going to be a shellacking with what we've seen so far this year. But I'll go with it because it's a prime either, either that or the Thursday night game. Both of them are could be shellackings or could be good. Honestly, Baltimore isn't. Uh, Baltimore is right where they're supposed to be record wise. They're good, but they're not that good. Um. Mm. Yeah. So give me the Packers at the Bills. Rogers, Allen. You know, before the year started, I think Mike, this might have been your Super Bowl prediction. I don't. I think I had Tampa Bay. I don't think I had Green Bay going to the Super Bowl. I think I was off that bandwagon after last year. All right. Well, yep. Yeah. 
my bad. But still, I'm sure before the year started, a lot of people had this as a potential Super Bowl matchup. So Packers at Buffalo, Sunday night football, mischief eve night. We know what Bills Mafia does. We know how hyped they get. We know what we've seen out of Green Bay so far. I I know we're all going to go the same route, but it's the closest thing to a highlight of the week I got for you to not take away from fight of the week. So, get, uh, Bills, home against the Packers, give me the Bills. Making it easy, yeah, Bills. But, again, I agree with you, Dave. I I, I still think we should also, for, for a highlight, pick that Thursday. But I, that's just me, though. But I, I agree there, Bills. What? Yeah, we can always circle back to that one. Part of me wants to be the contrarian here and pick Green Bay because I do feel like they're due. I'm not going to do that this week, though. I'm going to pick Buffalo. I think it's only the first or maybe second time. I think it's very few times, and definitely since his rookie year, that this is one of the rare times Aaron Rodgers is a double-digit underdog. He is an 11-and-a-half-point underdog this week. Oh, I wow. saw that. It's actually the first time in his entire NFL career that he's a, a double-digit underdog. Crazy. All right. What? They, they, because he saw that, got pissed off, and played like Aaron with a chip on his shoulder. Hmm. All right, Sue, it is time for Eric Tressler's Toilet Bowl of the Week. Mike, this is uh, the first double flusher of the year. This is the first public restroom we're going to walk into, and we're going to flush them both. Um, it's that kind of dump. You're going to have to not only fill up one, but fill up a second bowl with these two. two. Jesus Christ. So this is, hey, Eric, wouldn't you say this would be the one that is like a brand new porta potty? This is like a set of porta potties and you're the new team of construction workers just after Taco Bell morning brunch. And you're about to b- blow <laughs> these things up. There's several <laughs> I, I could see as, as this option, so I can't wait to see which one you go with. No, there's two clear where they're both standing out, punching me in the face. And the first one is this Broncos Jaguar skate. 9.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. You know I'm not waking up to watch it. Yeah, like, not gonna, not gonna, not gonna be their highest rated game of the year. I can tell you that it's still gonna get ratings because it's fucking football, but it's not gonna get the ratings that it would if it was in prime time somewhere. So nine thirty a.m. Jacksonville at home, where I guess you can call Shaw's home away from home over there in London uh, against the Broncos. And yeah, I'm gonna go with. The Jaguars, because I still think the Broncos suck, and they're looking at Russell Wilson going, what the fuck? <laughs> Give me the Jaguars. Game number one, and uh, so we'll pick game one, and then I'll hit, I'll hit you with the double flush. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to pick Jacksonville on this, too. Um, I know they haven't been great this season, but Trevor Lawrence definitely showing some strides forward this year. Uh, ETN has been good, and now he's the – the sole proprietor of that backfield now. 
So I, at the very least, I think they have more potential than what we've seen out of Denver. Russell Wilson, I, I don't know if it's the jinx of doing those fucking subway commercials or whatever the hell it is, or maybe he's always been this type and Pete Carroll just did a really good job of protecting him. And now you have a first year head coach who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing or some combination therein. But uh, yeah, this is not the same Russell Wilson that we've seen in Seattle the last decade. So give me Jacksonville there. Go ahead, Dave. I mean, you also have the fact that Russell Wilson might not play in this game. Right. Because he didn't play on Sunday. Talking about traveling from Colorado to England with a guy that missed last week and is listed as day-to-day this week. Um, Denver's defense would have to win this game for them. And the problem with the field that they play in in England is it's all pure grass. So any type of bad weather, those defenders are going to have a real hard time planting their feet, making tackles, staying in coverage. I mean, Jacksonville came one yard away from tying the game against the Giants last week. They've been in basically every game they played this year. Uh, defensively, they're no team to just, you know, roll your eyes at either. So, yeah, I got to go with Jacksonville as well. All right, Eric. Let's get stinky. Double flushing time. With this, with, with the with the second flush, it's got to be the absolute bomb that is what the Raiders are trying to put together, bringing in Devontae Adams, repairing him with his old college QB and Derek Carr. And the mess that is the Raiders at the two and five going to play Taysom Hill is as a wildcat quarterback tight end. He's going to play seven different positions. Who knows what the fuck the Saints are doing, Uh, but they're, they're marching in. They're all marching into the Superdome to play a game. I I don't know why they both suck. Um, But uh, that being said, Somehow, I think the less crappy team is the Ra- is the Raiders, and I'm going to take the Raiders on the road. Yes, something. I truly do not believe in the Raiders one iota. So, even with Taysom Hill, give me the Saints. Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston. I don't know what they're doing over there. Oh, I thought you were going to say – I thought I thought you were going to close that by saying it doesn't matter, Cowboys by 20. Because it oh. sounded like what you think of when you see that meme that Eric posts every week. <laughs> <laughs> what do you well, say, Dave? Eric posted that meme not every week of a Dallas game, but – I'm pretty sure almost every week he's posted that they've won. You know, I think the only time, Eric, you posted that they didn't win was when they played San Fran last year in the playoffs. I think you might be right on that. That sounds accurate. So do me a favor, Eric. Make sure you post that before 1 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> you got it, buddy. You got it. <laughs> I, like that. I like that one better than the meme you post after they lose. Are you still them boys? And you know my answer to that one. So, yeah, I'll take that one over that. Yeah. All right. What do you say, Dave? Oh, God. I Yeah, no, neither team spires any type of, um, like, yeah, they're good type of feeling. Um, 
Yeah, I, I got to take that. I, I thought this might be the game I'd go opposite of Eric, but I just – the Saints give me no reason to believe that they they can really beat anybody unless everything goes perfectly for them and it's football and basically there's never a game where everything goes perfect. So you're going Raiders? Yep. Okay. So now he ain't with us this week. Good luck to him in his game. I don't know what color team he's versus. Yellow. This week, good luck to- yellow. yellow. No, no, that's the team he's on, not the team he's playing against. Oh, who cares? Is that go, a, team- I- go team yeah. yellow. Sure. Go team yellow. Yes. All right. With that, we do have his picks, though. So we will start with Larry Sparrow's shoot show of the week. There's another pretty stinky matchup, too. Atlanta Falcons have shown some signs of life this year, not nearly enough for anybody to take them seriously. And then Carolina winds up putting a whipping on Tampa Bay that nobody expected them to do last week. But both teams do still reasonably suck here. P.J. Walker, hey, shout out to the XFL on that. But uh, I'm going to be honest here. Both teams are not good. I don't have faith in either of them. Um, But I'm going to give the slight advantage to Atlanta here. Uh, When in doubt, go with the home field. So I will go with the home field here, and I'll say the Falcons. Eric, who you got? Well, Dave picked this one first. Yeah, okay. I knew I couldn't win with this. I knew I couldn't win with this one. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I'm going Atlanta as well, Mike. I was hoping we were going to be different, Dave, but I got to be honest with you, I'm going Atlanta as well. Well, I mean, how could you, like, last game, Carolina, you know, like, gone, they trade their best player. You know, every player out there was like, we don't need Christian McCaffrey to win games. And they they played off of that. And then you got to also remember Hubbard, who filled in for him, got injured. So you don't even know if he's playing this week. Foreman, go Foreman, go Foreman. Yeah, I think Atlanta's a clear call. Hmm. All right. So with that, not going to waste anybody's time with the music this week. I didn't cue anything up. Every time I cue it up the last two weeks, it's queued up to the wrong spot anyway. So just whatever fight song you guys want, just picture it in your heads because it is now time for Eric Pfeiffer's Fight of the Week. All right, and this is this is one that I'll tell you right now. I don't think any of us thought that this would be a good game, let alone a good fight coming this into this weekend. This was a toilet bowl. If you ask me preseason, this was a toilet bowl waiting to happen. This was yep. this was this was shining up red of porcelain. I could see it from a distance. Yeah, I feel like it would have been a toilet bowl on top of a dumpster fire, truthfully, if we had asked you at the beginning of the season. Or what was the thing you said a few years back? All the porta potties are lying in MetLife Stadium, and they're all on fire. And you can see the fire back from the freaking highways and everything. That's what we would have thought of this game. But now, six and one Giants, four and three Seattle Seahawks. Giants going into Seattle, and I got to be honest here. I'm going to say the Giants. I'm sorry, it's still Geno fucking Smith. That I, I we're think trying they, hard. We're the tryhards. I'm telling you, we're putting in the I effort. Think, I think, listen, 
at the very least, I think Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Geno Smith. Listen, Geno Smith has been playing having one of the best years of his career. I'm not going to knock him. That's not saying much. Not saying much, but he's putting up way better numbers than Russell Wilson is. So he so far Seattle's looking like a clear winner in that in that move. Um, mm. And you know they're under their what third string running back who now is starting Walker after Penny and uh, I forget the other one went down. So he, he's uh, he, what they're doing out there is is nothing short of fun too. And. Uh, they're they're trying hard as well, but there's something with this Giants team right now, and I, I'm gonna ride the train. Give me them G men, the tryhards. All right, Dave. Oh, Eric, I, I was hoping you'd have some doubt this week. Like that's literally, I was like, all right, this is gonna be the game. He's gonna be like, yeah, the giant, the Giants' momentum's got to slow down at some point. This would be the game. But this was one of those games, again, that when you looked at in the beginning of the year and I looked at the schedule, this was one of those seven must-win games. If they were going to get the seven and ten, they had to win this game. So this is another game that I look at like they look at – like I looked at with Jacksonville last week. That no matter how they do it, they just have to do it. They just have to win. And I think they are going to go to Seattle and they are going to win. Okay. And, Dave, what do you say? Uh, uh, honestly, I, I think the Giants win this game, but just just so I can be different, I'm going to No, six. no, no, don't be different just to be different. If you believe uh, in the Giants, believe in the Giants. All right. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I, I do think the team actually wins this game. If I'm betting money on it, I think the Giants are the team that wins. All right. You're betting your right. pride on this, Dave. This is your pick and pride right here. Eric, if you beat me this year, we're nothing but even, my friend. I ain't, I'm not worried. It's still a point of pride, but I'm still the most recent champ then. So, I mean, still, you, you always want to be the guy on top. You don't want to think about the championships you already won. You want to think about the one that you're winning now. So that means I never have – I. I'm sorry. That means I never have to hear 27 rings from a Yankee fan ever again? Oh, no, we got the most all time, bitch. That's what I'm saying. Okay, come on now. <laughs> Just saying, can't have one without the other on that one, Eric. Come on. Well, no, but I am going to say maybe this we're different on this game, Dave, because I cl- I saw this other game as a clear indication to me after the way Brady's been playing the last few weeks and he's been sucking it up. The Ravens have actually been playing better football. They lost some tough games early. They're four and three, but I mean, two of those are a couple of those losses. They lost to um, who they lose to. They lost to the Giants. They lost in Miami, which I knew was going to be a tough game, and they lost to the Bills. So I mean, the, the three losses they have are against really good teams. I, I think I'm higher on the Ravens than you are. They are going into Tampa. Um, is Tom Brady going to snap out of it or not? But I don't think he is, and I want the Ravens on Thursday night. All right, go ahead, Dave. Uh, he may want the Ravens too, and that's perfectly okay. But I just the way he was talking before, it sounded like he wasn't too high on this on this Ravens team. 
I'm not. And I mean, when the hell was the last time Brady lost three in a row? I mean, Jesus. Couldn't tell you. You know what? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm okay. I, I'm okay with a Buccaneers pick. Give me Tampa Bay. I was going to say it whether you did or not, but I kind of wanted you to pick Baltimore, so I would have been by myself on it, but that's fine. Yeah, I'm going Tampa Bay, too. I can't imagine him losing three in a row. Like you've said, Baltimore's been good. They've lost to good teams, but they, they've they been beatable this season. They they, they had the big, um, the big lead against Miami that they gave up in blue. A um, couple other losses that could have easily been wins. There's an opportunity here for Tampa Bay to get itself right. And I think in Tampa Bay on Thursday night, I think they're going to take it. And Brady's pissed off at some point. He's going to stop looking like an old man past his prime and go back to that whole TB12 method. So I, I, think, um, I think this is the week Tampa Bay starts to turn it around. So, All right. So that is our picks here. Um, do we have anything else sports wise we wanted to talk about? Dave, any thoughts on the first week of uh, basketball? Um, I mean, really too early to tell who your contenders are and, you know, who your best teams are, but I will say, uh, my bulls are two and two. They had a huge win against the Celtics last night. They were down by 19, came back and won by 18. Um, so that's, you know. How many times do you really see that happen in the NBA, especially for a team that doesn't shoot the three ball uh, very well? So I was very happy about that. Um, the Nets, slow start. Lakers and Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Westbrook just needs to retire. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, like, just not not good. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what the hell happened to him. I don't know what. I don't know. He's just not the guy that we all of us have seen throughout his early years and up to as recently as just, you know, a couple seasons ago. Um, but here we are, and he's a guy that really might need to start looking at the idea of, you know, moving on and starting the next chapter of his life outside of football. So, um, mm. but, yeah, uh, you got that. I mean, not not the greatest start so far in the year for the Nets, but I think they'll be okay. Philly looks pretty good all in all. Um, and I'll tell you right now, if, if you're, if you're a betting man and I, I don't, I don't gamble at all on sports. Like I just, I just don't do it. I, I never have. And the idea of doing it scares the shit out of me. Cause I'm pretty sure I'd be that guy that like his first week would do an am- so amazing that I think I could do it every week. And then I would drive myself to bankruptcy. So that's why I don't gamble on sports. Um, but if you're a betting man and you want to put money on front runner for MVP, uh, you, you want to look at John Morant down in Memphis. Uh, it would, I think it would be a very, very safe bet uh, that you might end up winning. So uh, the way, I mean, he's averaging, I think 33 a game so far to start the season. Um, uh, I think he's averaging like four rebounds and like seven assists. Uh, dude's just playing out of his mind to start the year, and and last year uh, his year got ended early from injury. So I think you're 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 looking at a guy that genuinely wants to show people that he is the next guy, 
for the league and the next face of the NBA. And I don't think he's wrong for thinking that because I love how he plays. I love his attitude and his energy. Um, and if you just want to watch a guy that blatantly is better than probably everybody else that's on the court with him, you watch John Moran play basketball and you will be like, yeah, he is better than everybody else that's on the court. Um, and then the Knicks haven't had a bad start either. Uh, huge overtime win in their uh, home opener, I think it was. Um, overall, I think they're two and one right now. They play, I think they played the night for their fourth game, but I don't know if the game's over, if they won, but I think they started two and one. Um, so not a bad start by the Knicks either. And, uh, hopefully, uh, the three of us are all celebrating the fact that the Knicks and Bulls are in the playoffs uh, when the season comes to the end. Knicks played last night, which got them to two and one. They're off tonight. Play again against the Hornets tomorrow, who are also two and one. There you go, two and one to start the year. Chicago's two and two. I'll take it. Let's go. Like what I'm seeing so far. Want to see if it continues. Um. So yeah, no. Like what I'm seeing on the Knicks front. Like what I'm yep. seeing on the Ranger front, although they've had a, a stumble the last two or three games, hoping uh, they get a win. I think they're playing tonight, actually, to give a score on the Rangers as well. Um, just to hit it full circle, then I do got to run, guys. But it's one nothing Avalanche right now in the second, if you want to catch any of that Ranger game. I believe they're on ESPN tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing Colorado, playing Colorado and being down one nothing, you are not mad about that. Yep. And I will say this. I think we all know what the biggest shock of the young NBA season is. Zion Williamson is hurt already. What a surprise. Yes. All right. I think with that, though, if we don't have anything else, we could probably get out of here for this week. So thank you to everybody for listening to us on all various podcasting outlets, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. Don't forget, rate, share, like, subscribe, all the things. Definitely do them. Help us out. And I, thank you. to I know Cousin David was here in the chat. Sucks we couldn't get Eric Pfeiffer here tonight. But uh, thank you for giving us your picks here. And obviously, we'll get the rest of them there. And as always, thank you guys for being here with us tonight. Dave, you're going to Atlanta, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm going down to see family. Um, I oh. haven't seen in five years my youngest one of my youngest cousins had a baby uh baby boy eight months ago uh my my oldest is pushing 80 years old and uh the rest of it i mean uh, you're talking all told i'm gonna going down to see like six family members and i think my family total consists of like eight people outside of my mom so um you know, got a, the majority of them are down in Atlanta. I haven't seen them since July of 20, uh, 2017 uh, for my cousin's wedding that just had their uh, had her first child. Um, so, yeah, heading down there, leaving Thursday, coming back Sunday night. So, yeah, I just got to hope the Cowboys game is on somewhere that I can watch it before uh, I catch my flight home. Just promise me this. Tell me they're all like you and don't really watch baseball. Uh, no, um, Eric would love hate this at the same time. They are college football in Georgia all the way. Oh, okay. I was asking about baseball though. Yeah, no, not, uh, there, uh, my cousin, my cousin's husband, Jeff, and their three kids are Atlanta Brave fans. Uh, God damn it. 
Well, they could, they, they, I mean, he was born and raised in Atlanta and outside of his oldest, my cousin who had the baby, uh, the other two were both born and raised in Atlanta as well. So yeah, not really much you can do about that, but they are much more college football than anything else. And pretty sure they didn't lose any sleep when, uh, Atlanta got knocked out. But I know with how Georgia started their year, uh, they're, they're feeling pretty good and especially how they ended their year last year. Fair enough there. All right. Well, we'll let you get out of here for tonight. Dave Hastings, safe travels, and we will see you next week, buddy. Last words? Stay sweaty. Always oh, no, no, Dave. Uh, Dave first. It all makes sense, Mike. You're good. Uh, okay. Always a pleasure, Jen. So I'll catch you guys next week. <laughs> all right, man. Now, Eric Tressler. Stay sweaty, my friend. I do got to run, but uh, until next week, um, where hopefully next week we get a little, get a little game of uh, well House of the Dragon talking too. But uh, till then, stay sweaty, my friend, and we'll talk soon. Yep. Take care, man. And I am Mike Agliolaro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see y'all next week. <laughs>